Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Paving the way for a fresh pile of documents, President Biden signs legislation to declassify intelligence on COVID origins. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House. After staying undecided for 10 days, President Biden on Monday night finally signed off on legislation to declassify intelligence on COVID origins. He believes strongly that we've got to find the, the roots and the origins of COVID so that we can prevent a future pandemic. In a statement, Biden says he shares the Congress's goal of releasing as much information as possible about the origin of COVID, adding that we need to get to the bottom of this. The bill, now a law, will declassify all information on the potential links between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the origin of COVID. Specifically, it will publicize the names and symptoms of researchers at the Wuhan lab who fell sick in 2019. But the bill is becoming law doesn't mean that American public will see everything the U.S. government has found. Redactions will be made to prevent harm to national security. And the White House on Tuesday getting challenged on that need. But it insists that there needs to be a balance. Some of that has to be in a classified way right now. But it's always a balance between the, uh, the public's right to know. Right. Not need, but right. And our obligation to protect national security. And U.S. intelligence agencies will now start redacting their data on COVID origin before sharing it with Congress. Reporting from the White House, Aris Tao, NTD News. We've seen a lot of bipartisan agreement when it comes to the COVID intel bill Biden just signed, as well as about China more broadly. So what's it like cooperating on the issue? NTD's Steve Lance sat down with Congressman Dan Newhouse of Washington to find out. Congressman Dan Newhouse, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Good to be here with you. Congressman President Biden just signing into law uh, the declassifying of uh, information regarding the origins of COVID-19, something you've been talking about for quite a, quite a long time. Uh, how big of a deal is this? Well, I think, you know, it's always important to have transparency, uh, accountability, particularly for something that has impacted not just our country, but the entire world to the extent that it has. Uh, everybody, everybody has been impacted by this, the millions of people who've lost their lives, the economic impact, the impact of our education system to our trading system, our supply chains. We, we're going to be um, digging ourselves out of this for many, much time to come. And to, so the more information that we have, the more that's transparent to the American people, to the world, I think is important because it's becoming cliche, but we've got to make sure we do everything to prevent this from ever happening again. Congressman, speaking of China, uh, you sit on the uh, all so important uh, select committee on the Chinese Communist Party. Tell us, what are some of your top priorities there? The, the non-select, or excuse me, the select committee uh, on our relationship with the Communist Chinese Party, I, I think has the potential to be the most consequential effort that this Congress puts forward. Um, China is our competitor. Um, we want to be competitive with them, the two largest economies on the globe. Um, the relationship that we have impacts every other country in the world. Uh, we, we want to be successful in this effort. And I think there are uh, numerous challenges, uh, numerous threats, I would go as far as to say, that we may not even fully appreciate, may not fully understand. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm 
truly excited about learning, and I think the American people need to know as well. Uh, to say that, and I mean this, mean this in every positive way possible, but we are ignorant of the challenges that we are facing from China. And, and one of the things, my priorities, is, as you probably know, is to prevent uh, the Communist Chinese Party and entities affiliated with them from purchasing agricultural assets in the United States of America, to prevent them from gaining a foot, foothold on a particularly important link in our food supply chain. You mentioned so many things. The CCP threat is truly multifaceted. It's coming from all different directions. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious. There's, there's actually quite a bit of, you said it could be the most consequential um, group that's, that's been formed on Capitol Hill. It's, it's very bipartisan right now. Is it refreshing to be working in a committee where both Republicans and Democrats can see eye to eye? You know, uh, in my short time in Congress, I'm now in my fifth term, uh, many people long for the, the good old days, if there ever were any, where people could work together in a bipartisan way. I, I see this as something that unites Republicans and Democrats as Americans. Uh, it truly does. And the, and the members of this panel are, I think, serious-minded individuals that, that truly want to accomplish some good things for, for our country through this effort. So, yeah, it heartens me to be a part of this. It truly does. And I think that we can not only uh, hopefully uncover and learn some very important things, but in the meantime, while we're doing that, uh, help other people understand that this is a better way for us to govern together. Congressman, you mentioned uh, the agriculture aspect of the CCP eyeing our farmland. Uh, you yourself are a farmer. I'd like to ask you, every uh, five years or so, uh, there's a bill that comes up in Congress, uh, a farming bill. You've been traveling across the state, uh, your state of Washington. Tell, what, what are you hearing uh, from farmers? What do they need? 2023, you're right, the, the farm bill expires in September. We renew it every five years. This is one of those must pass pieces of legislation. And um, our chairman of the Agriculture Committee, G.T. Thompson from Pennsylvania, has been doing a great job of getting out uh, throughout the country, talking to producers and growers, people involved in agriculture to learn, okay, what is it you need uh, to, to, to be included in the farm bill so that our industry can, t can continue to be strong and successful. And I'm doing the same thing in my district as well. Um, I've joined GT, Mr. Thompson, in a couple venues around the country, but I've also taken this effort to my district. I spent all last week at five different farm bill uh, meetings with constituents, and I'm gonna continue to do that. And the things that I'm hearing, you know, margins are tight, and in the agricultural business. They truly are. Costs of every input are high. Uh, prices received, in many cases, are low. Doesn't leave a, any room for error. And so those things that are, will impact a person's ability to be successful, the, the safety net, the crop insurance, uh, those things that, that like research, that keep us on the cutting edge so we can be competitive, uh, the marketing programs that are within the Farm Bill, all of these things uh, uh, are building blocks to making sure that we have a, as much as possible the opportunities for our producers to be successful. And that's, that's so key because it's not only a food security thing, because we all want to eat three times a day, but it's a national security issue to have a strong agricultural sector. 
Congressman Dan Newhouse, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Good to be with you. Chinese Communist regime leader Xi Jinping is in Russia right now meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Our next guest joins us to discuss the meeting as well as U.S. foreign policy on China and ways the U.S. can decouple. Steve Yates, senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute and former deputy to national security advisor to Vice President Cheney, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So it's clear you have a lot of expertise in this area, so I'd love to get your thoughts on the current meeting with uh, Xi and Putin that's going on this week. And the two leaders are meeting for, it's quite a long meeting, they're meeting for a couple of days, so I just want to hear your thoughts. What do you make of this? Well, there are a few echoes of Cold War machinations past in this kind of a, a get-together. Uh, number one, you have sort of reclusive leaders of uh, authoritarian regimes, and they tend not to do the fly-in, fly-out kind of meetings, come in and stay for a while and talk uh, to each other for an extended period. And uh, So that is a little bit of an echo of the summits of the past that we would have seen. And it's unusual given that Xi Jinping has not left China for any substantial period of time for three years. And so this is a foray into great power politics. There's a level of theater to it, and then there's a level of substance, both of which have some questions and concerns. On the theater front, though, I think that's the biggest push to build out this axis that puts pushes back against the U.S.-led West and insulating Russia, China, and their other collaborators from sanctions. And speaking of the theater, we know we've, we've seen here in D.C. that both Republicans and Democrats, this is one area that they're uh, speaking in unison when it comes to condemning these tightening relations between Russia and China. But actually, I'm wondering, Steve, is there anything that lawmakers can actually do to counter this, these tightening relations or confront this threat? Well, I think, number one, uh, for a variety of reasons, there has been an overemphasis on the Russia challenge in recent years. It's not that it is zero and it's not that it is unimportant. It's just been out of balance with the comparison to the comprehensive challenge that the Communist Party of China presents to the people of China, it's near abroad, the international system, and even here at home in the United States. So one of the things, if we were really concerned about these two authoritarian revisionist powers working closer together, is that we would take more seriously and pin down Beijing on having to deal with what it's doing on its own. Uh, that would, I think, allow more resources and attention to balance out perspective on what's happening in Asia. So you just said that if we were really serious about countering the threat, we, we would be doing more. What do you propose the U.S. should be doing from the White House or what lawmakers should be doing? I mean, they're holding many hearings now, so it looks like they're starting to turn a corner, but it seems like you're not totally convinced that the U.S. is taking as stern of a stance as it needs to. Well, in the United States, we are a democracy with different institutions, and they all play a role. I think that at the state level in legislatures and governor's offices and in the Congress, especially in the House of Representatives and occasionally in the Senate, there are proposals that move what I think is the outdated establishment policy of the last 50 plus years uh, to the side and uh, kind of look at China under Xi Jinping being different from what they thought they were engaging in the past and adjusting American policy accordingly. But in our system, the executive branch, and in particular the White House, has a dominant influence on foreign policy, especially with big powers. And the Biden administration hasn't been very clear about the objectives that it seeks. It's had some slogans, 
with regard to standing for Ukraine and uh, its demonization of Putin, which perhaps he richly deserves. Uh, but with China, it just talks about competition and not confrontation. These are empty words. We need to speak in terms of results, but at least we should speak with clarity about the nature of the regimes we're dealing with. And, you know, this morning I just heard uh, Gordon Chong, who's obviously a very well-known China expert. He was saying just outright we should cut trade with China, although we know that we are so entangled with the nation. Um, what do you, do you propose something as drastic as that? Do you think that the next sitting pre president, whoever it may be, should take a stance like this? Well, Gordon is a friend, and I certainly respect his analysis on these things. Uh, I have a colleague at America First Policy Institute, former USTR Bob Lighthizer. He has a notion called strategic decoupling and uh, basically emphasizes that we need to prioritize how we decouple from China. It's not going to happen instantly. It should happen. If people want to talk about good versus evil in Ukraine, they ought to at least entertain the good versus evil conversation with regard to dealing with the Chinese Communist Party. After all, there's a genocide against the Muslim Uyghur minority. There's the crushing of freedom in Hong Kong. There's the threats against Taiwan. There's the undermining of American institutions also. Uh, it should be clear, at least on that front, that we can't rely upon them on anything that is of strategic importance to the American way of life. And so we need to prioritize moving away from that dependence and trade flow. And we shouldn't be enriching a system of government that undermines the truth that we need in the world with regard to viruses and other kind of behavior, uh, and one that hates us. So I think that Gordon is right in the general direction we go, and I think that Ambassador Lighthizer has no point with regard to how we prioritize and pace ourselves in moving in that direction. Steve Yates, thank you with all of your expertise. We were glad to have you at the table to discuss this today. Senior fellow, policy, senior fellow at America First Policy Institute and former deputy national security advisor to Vice President Cheney. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Take care. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.